compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. You know what they say, Saturday afternoons here at this station uh, are reserved for the handsome men, which makes sense because my next guest, Jay Binkley, uh, is, at least from what I heard, the most handsome man at his station, 610 Sports Radio Odyssey in uh, in Kansas City. Is that is that right, Jay? It is not true, Nate. Uh, <laughs> I would not... I would not put myself in that category. So I can tell your your boss is listening, huh? Okay, I get it. Yeah. No, I appreciate that though, but uh, I wouldn't put myself in that category. I am one of the few that can get a date. But uh, hey, yeah. well, that there you go, buddy. I mean, I guess you you, you sort of told on yourself there, okay? Uh, just just so you know. Okay. Well. <laughs> Thanks, um, thanks for joining me. I, I, I had a blast uh, joining you and your team uh, earlier in the week to talk about this matchup. This sort of feels, Jay, like, I don't know, and maybe it's it's more so built up on this side, but I, maybe on that side as well, it, it feels like there is this rivalry brewing, but typically with any good rivalry, like there has to be wins on both sides. That has to be like a shared rivalry. I, I get the sense, though, that the fan bases, the teams itself, there's a little bit of worry on one side. Uh, I mean, there's been worry here. I mean, everyone's sort of worried about how good the Chiefs are and, and how difficult they can be to stop offensively. But I do get the sense that based off the last couple of weeks that there are some people that are like, well, like the Bills might be a team that really could come in here. And if they win, they've got a better than 50% chance of winning the, you know, the number one seed for the playoffs and what that potentially means if you know the AFC's got to go through Buffalo but I'm sort of wondering what where you stand on the other side of this brewing brewing rivalry because I'm not really ready to call it a rivalry yet but I could definitely say it's like it's in the fermenting stages well it can develop into one sure and if you know Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes like who's going to be that rival to Mahomes maybe it's Josh Allen uh you know like Peyton Manning Tom Brady I don't think you have to be in the same division to have it although arrows are flying from all directions because it's Justin Herbert in his run, you know, he beats Patrick Mahomes. Everybody's talking about that. And obviously, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson was 0-3 against Mahomes. He gets that win this year. So there's going to be a great young uh, group of quarterbacks in the AFC. But who are going to be the top two? You know, who's yeah. going to be the Manning and Brady uh, of the next generation uh, going forward? So it's one of the most anticipated games here. The thing is, there's just so many because, obviously, it's not the Broncos, the traditional rival. They haven't beaten the Chiefs since. 2015 and Peyton Manning. He's in the Hall of Fame now. So it's been a long time. They've got 11 straight losses against the Chiefs. Raiders have lost eight of the last 10 to the Chiefs. Uh, the Chargers, despite the fact they beat the Chiefs, they've lost 12 of the last 15. Uh, Baltimore was 0 3 against the Chiefs. But Buffalo has the Chiefs' attention. And this is the biggest game in the NFL this yeah. season. And I think it's a real swing game of emotion uh, for Kansas City Chiefs fans uh, that have any hopes of the, uh, the one bye. The coveted by Andy Reid, twenty-six and five after buys regular season and postseason. It's imperative, and it's imperative for this football team as well because they played the most football games of any team in the NFL the last three years. Going to the AFC title game, then going back for three straight years, uh, back-to-back Super Bowls. It means something to get that buy and play it at Arrowhead Stadium. So when you looked at the schedule, the first five weeks of the season included Cleveland and the Chargers and the Ravens. And the Bills, these first five weeks were very imperative for the Chiefs, and uh, the Bills have the Chiefs' attention now, but they have arrows flying from a lot of different directions. But to me, this is the best game in the NFL so far this season. It's not even close. So what do you make of this Josh Gordon signing? And, and you know, I, I guess I have been, you know, I've been on a couple of the radio stations, and it's sort of been like the first question that, 
you know, hosts want to ask is, well, you know, what are the Bills going to do to, to to sort of game plan around the addition of Josh Gordon? And my answer has been, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Josh Gordon they're getting. Like, are they getting the Josh Gordon that walked into Seattle day one and became like <laughs> their number one receiver and then got in trouble again and kind of left? Or is he the receiver that we saw at times in New England that looked like he still had some, you know, still had that Josh Gordon feel to him, but he looked like he had lost a step. And that was two years ago now. So I'm wondering, what does this signing mean to you? Is it like... This is a guy that's never going to have to face double coverage because the guy that's on the other side and they're going to be bracketing coverages over Travis Kelsey. And maybe this is an opportunity for him to restart the career that a lot of us thought he was bound to have. Or do you believe you just have like me? I just I don't know at all what you're getting with this Josh Gordon fella at this point in his career. Well, I like the signing when they did it because there was something the Chiefs didn't have and they didn't have six, three, two thirty wide receivers. They've got a lot of smaller, you know, quicker receivers. Travis Kelsey. You know, with that size of tight end, basically an extra receiver at that wide position. And, you know, he's kind of over 100 passes the last couple of years. He's been that big target. But what happens if a team takes him out? You know, who's that other guy? Ty- Tyree Kill does a great job with his size, even high pointing the ball. He can get up in the air. But they didn't have that, that 6'3, 230 pound receiver type at the ex receiver. They had a bigger guy in Sammy Watkins that filled that role. It obviously, you know, hurt a lot. No one of the receivers really stepped up and took that number two wide receiver. The Chiefs made a hardcore press for Juju Smith-Schuster in the offseason that even included Andy Reid texting pictures of the Super Bowl ring. You know, the Chiefs were all about Juju Smith-Schuster, and he took less money. Uh, the Ravens and the Chiefs both offered Juju more money to stay in Pittsburgh, but the Chiefs have coveted that position. Now, they're getting by with it. Let's put, keep in mind, like this offense is historical right now. Yeah. They're averaging 3.65 points per drive. They had the fewest drive in the, drives in the NFL, yet sit with the Bills at 33.5 points a game with 36 drives. I mean, they've already been good. I liken this to Chiefs fans like this, like an ice cream sundae. It's going to be good anyway. This offense is good anyway with or without Josh Gordon. What he does is provide the whipped cream and the cherry on top of it. Mm-hmm. Like having Josh Gordon doesn't define what this offense is, but it certainly does help. And I'm all for kicking the tires. What can he provide for the Chiefs? And I'll say this much, too. Like, the hardest thing he had to do was come into this locker room, a team that's been together. For the most part, this has been the group. There's a few pieces here and there, obviously, some new pieces. But for, for most of the time, it's the same coaches, the same, the same players that have been here on both Super Bowl runs. And you're walking into a locker room and trying to learn, earn the uh, respect of your teammates. Well, Patrick Mahomes... And, and, and he clicked right away. Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, was talking about him. Mahomes has raved about Josh Gordon. Travis Kelsey went on the Rich Eisen show raving uh, about Josh Gordon. Tyreek Hill has raved about him. Tyron Matthew on defense has raved about Josh Gordon. So if you're going to go and get acclimated, you, yeah, having Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Tyron Matthew on your side certainly helps, and he won those guys away real quick. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Talk a little bit about this guy. This is a you know our first round pick, um, and historically, football prognosticators have looked you know they've looked down on teams, particularly at the end of drafts, end of the first round, anyways, taking running backs when you know you you you, you maybe you're better off taking a a, a better position uh, a better positional value. You know the Bills were talked about potentially taking Travis Etienne in this draft. They obviously don't get to because, you know, Jacksonville inexplicably takes a running back with 900 holes on their roster. And, and we don't, we'll never know if the Bills were really serious about as Travis Etienne as maybe a lot of people were making that lead up to the draft. 
to be. It feels like it's sort of been a little disappointing, though, in in Kansas City, Jay. Like, I, I look at him as a player that dominated the college level as a pass catcher and wasn't really the between-the-tackles guy. And although that has stood true, like, I don't really believe, and the numbers really bear it out, he hasn't had a lot of success when he's been asked to sort of run between the tackles. But he's looked better over at least the beginning part of this season compared to last season where I thought it was a little disappointing. Really, everybody he sort of peaked in that Bills game week five last year, and then from there on it just it just, it just did not seem like it was fitting well. What have you made of, of sort of his integration in the offense, and is this a guy that you still think is a, an, an ascending player? Yeah, I do. And he was top 11 in all-purpose yardage before he got hurt last season. It's taken quite a while. There's a lot of expectations. The Chiefs? We're enamored with him as far as they fit into the offense. It's one thing they didn't have is that running back. And you go back to LSU with Joe Burrow. You know, he had 55 catches at over 1,000 yards. That's never been done in the history of the SEC conference. So they were enamored with that offense, Clyde's production. Keep this in mind, never been done in that conference. They've had 99 running backs drafted since 2000, 17 first-rounders, but nobody has had 50 catches in 1,000 yards. Wasn't asked, asked to block for Joe Burrow in that five-man protection mm. at LSU, so that was something that had you got to be able to block if you're going to be back there for Patrick Mahomes. His yards per carry last week uh, were phenomenal at 7.3. Um, he's had 100 yards in back-to-back games. Um, I think this offensive line helps. Yeah. Um, should the Chiefs have gone defense in that situation? Maybe so. But the running back, they were enamored with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and he is seventh in the NFL in rushing at this point in the 2017 draft class, you know, he's proven to be the first rounder uh, that's been more valuable. But I'll say this, Nate, is any running back should be good behind Patrick Mahomes. Let's put it this way. He's not going to see eight-man fronts. People are concerned about the Chiefs in the passing game with Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Who wouldn't want to be a running back and be able to produce in this offense? You know, I, I look at it kind of like Tennessee. All right, Tennessee, Derrick Henry and, and Ryan Tannehill. And people oftentimes, you know, put out Tannehill's stats and, and how good he's doing. Well, put Patrick Mahomes in an offense where the defense has to worry about Derrick Henry. You know, he's going to see a lot more less than double coverages through the wide receivers unless teams choose to go on Mahomes than Derrick Henry. Well, if you bottle up Derrick Henry, can Ryan Tannehill win you a game? He can't because we saw that happen in the playoffs with the Chiefs. But this, this line the Chiefs have built. Yes, it's been a great pass-blocking line for Patrick Mahomes. The sacks are are right there with Buffalo with just five this season. But the run-blocking set, Orlando Brown, the tackle, comes from that run-heavy offense in Baltimore. They drafted Trey Smith, who might be the steal of the draft last year at right guard. Tennessee, run the football. Joe Tooney comes over the Patriots, and Creed Humphrey is dominating in the run game. But they really opened up the running lanes, and Clyde's got his confidence. Andy Reid stuck with him. Despite the fumbles, and Andy Reid hates fumbles, it's one way to quickly get into his doghouse. But he showed the faith in him, and hopefully it pans out. But you should be able to run, whether it's Clyde, whether it's somebody else. You should be able to run behind Patrick Mahomes. And they've been searching for that in the last two weeks. Against bad rush defenses, they've been able to run the ball extremely well. 186 yards as a team against the Chargers, 200 yards against the Eagles last weekend. 
Jay Binkley here on the Wester Hotline, Chiefs postgame host for 610 Sports Radio and Odyssey Station as well. Jay, um, I guess I should just ask the broadest question, which is sort of the question on every Bills fan's mind right now, which is what's wrong with the Chiefs defense and is this just a mirage and are they just going to show up like they did in that AFC Championship game last year and just lock down this Bills wide receiver group from the physicality standpoint at the line of scrimmage? Or or is there really like something fundamentally wrong right now with that defense? Like I've I've heard a lot of takes about it. I, I you know, I've, I, I'm hearing, you know, this defense is run by Tyron Matthew and he is still maybe not fully back from his COVID diagnosis a few weeks ago and you know Chris Jones just doesn't look like the same player this year with his move to the edge um, and now he's got a wrist injury is he going to play on Sunday we don't know uh, Brashad Breeland's no longer there and I'm, I'm not really buying that like his you know, lack of presence is all yeah. of a sudden is the downfall of this defense but there is definitely something amiss and I'm wondering maybe if you guys in Kansas City have identified at least one or multiple of the reasons why well, it's been a miscommunication problem, and it's not getting production from players they thought would give them production. I mean, you're, you're taking a Jaron Reed on that defensive line uh, from Seattle that's on a one-year contract for here with Kansas City. When he was with Frank Clark the last season when Frank Clark was in Seattle, you're talking about 114 pressures. You're talking about 23 and a half sacks between Jaron Reed and Frank Clark. He has not lived up to that building. He was the guy that they brought in that gave him the flexibility to move Chris Jones kind of out to the outside. That's been made with mixed reaction here in Kansas City. Chris Jones was arguably, you know, number two behind Aaron Donald as far as interior pass rushers in the NFL, and he showed some promise there, especially against Cleveland, getting sacks on the outside against that uh, all-pro offensive line and Jack Conklin, how good he's played uh, this year with them. But not having Frank Clark playing, he's played that one game. It looks like he'll play in this game. Charverius Ward, you know, being hurt, he's back for this game. But it's been a miscommunication problem, which is shocking considering all the coaches are essentially back uh, from the Chiefs. Spag is still here. The secondary coaches is still here. Defensive line, every, linebacker, all the coaches are still here. Um, but they're historical. I mean, they're giving up you know 3.35 yards or excuse me points per drive, and you know it, 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 it's it's way up from even Washington, who's second, and it's up from last year at 2.98 from the Lions. It is the worst defense in the NFL. I know they're 31st in yards, but the amount of points they're giving up. Matter of fact, the first 12 drives of the season inside the red zone against the Chiefs all resulted in touchdowns. However, there's been a little bit of a flip. The Chargers had to settle for a field goal in the red zone. Last week, the Eagles had to settle for three field goals. So it's just progress and steps. I do think this defense is better than what they're playing. Now, is the light bulb going to come on with them like it did in 2019? In Mexico City against the Chargers, where the second half of the season, this defense was playing like a Super Bowl caliber defense should. I do believe this defense, getting takeovers or turnovers is what they have to do. I mean, you don't have to be the best defense in the world, but you've got to get turnovers. And that's something that's really hurting the Chiefs at this point, as they sit minus three in the NFL right now. And they're usually on the other side, on the plus side on that with Andy Reid. Uh, Jay, before I ask you the all-important follow-up question, just a quick uh, update from Ian Rappaport um, on Twitter. The Bills, uh, obviously we, we just learned last segment, had locked up their slot corner Taron Johnson to a three-year deal, and we now know what the money figures are. The deal is worth up to $24 million and includes roughly $14 million in guaranteed. So a really solid payday for the Bills' young yeah. corner Taron Johnson, uh, who has you know greatly earned that contract extension following his play uh, from last year into the playoffs and has really 
really continued that play um, this year. So just just a quick update there from Ian Rappaport. But Jay, um, I, I wanted no, to ask a great you deal five eleven. I mean, you get you, you got to get defensive backs. I mean, it's what Bar- Broncos loaded up for bringing Darby and Fuller and drafting your Dan. It's a good move by Buffalo extending. Uh, Johnson. I mean, this is part of the deal to bulk up that secondary. He's a good move by the Bills. Yeah, he's equal parts pass defender, equal parts run defender. He's one of the most impressive run defenders um, in this Absolutely. lineup and just plays like kind of bigger than he is on the field. I mean, yeah. I watched him go straight up, Jay, against rookie Najee Harris out of Alabama in week one and, and essentially yeah. meet at the point of attack. And watch Taron Johnson, 5'11", 192 pounds, pick up and drop uh, Najee Harris. And that is not a small man. Like that, Najee Harris is a big man. And for him to do that, I was like, whoa. Uh, like he, he, he makes eye-opening plays, and that might have been maybe the, the biggest eye-opener I've seen from him. Um, but and That nickel's I, important. I mean, the oh, yeah. get sacks from the nickel. They had the result of that with Lugerius Sneed last year, four, sacks, four straight sacks from that nickel position from him. To end the year, and then DeAndre Baker, the other one, when they rested their starters against five straight games of nickel sacks, so it's extremely important. Jay, I wanted to ask you this follow-up question from the question I had about the defense. You know, sort of quote unquote, what's going wrong, right? And then my follow-up to all the great things that you said and the insight that you provided about, you know, what is going wrong. I'm gonna ask. I think the most important question, and does it matter? I mean, does it? You 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 said you talked about them in 2019 being that Super Bowl defense, right? And and sure, having a Super Bowl offense with a Super Bowl defense, pencil it in, right? You could pencil it in. If you have those two things, you're probably going to win a Super Bowl more likely than not. But if they don't have a Super Bowl defense, does it matter? Like they could still win a Super Bowl without a Super Bowl defense. It just, I guess, is it's the degree of how bad they are, the degree of badness. If they're really, really bad, if they're the thirtieth best defense in the league or the second worst defense in the league, I guess it's better put that way. Uh, does that like how much does that actually reduce the chances of this team winning another Super Bowl? Well, I think they could win on offense alone, and they would be undefeated if it wasn't for the turnovers. The turnovers killed them. The Ravens gave me and Clyde turned it over. The Chiefs are going to win that game. Had a chance there to beat the Chargers as well. I do think they would have beat those teams if not for the turnovers, but that's that's part of football. But despite this defense being as bad as it is, they could still and should be still be undefeated. McDermott even called it a fluke win the Ravens had against the Chiefs, and that's 100% right. Um Having a bad deep, the turnovers thing, when you start going down the stretch and when you start getting the postseason, if they're going to be a bad defense, they've got to get the turnovers and put the homes back on the field because what they don't want to see is what happened in 2019, the year they won the Super Bowl. They lost two straight, they lost three of four. But then those two, lo- two straight losses to the Texans and the Colts, the Texans had the ball 15 more minutes and ran for 180 plus yards. The next week against the Colts, the Colts had the ball for 20 more minutes. The Chiefs were within a touchdown of both those teams, despite crazy. the Texans having a full quarter longer and the Chargers having the ball 20 minutes more. Patrick Mahomes has only lost by a touchdown or more one time in his career, and that was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. But all of his games have been have – been, the offense has kept this team. As a matter of fact, even when the defense has been playing well, Outside of the Eagles game last week, and they went 32-20, to 20. they had gone 10 straight starts of Mahomes where they'd either lost or won by six points or less. They play extremely close games. Yeah. They're good at winning the close games. But the offense, I do believe, is good enough to carry them. But the defense, if they're going to be bad, which they played bad to this point, they've got to find a way to mix in some turnovers 
the pressure's there, the blitz is there. They've just got to find a way to start bringing the quarterback down. You know, the funny thing is, Jay, is you're talking about these one-score games, and, and typically when you look around the league and you're trying to predict which good team is going to take a step back or be bad the next year, you know, the, the first-to-worst teams, usually yeah. you, the, the first list of teams you want to look at are the ones that won the most one-possession games, right? Because that variance, a lot yeah. of that has luck involved in it. I thought last year the Bills were one of those teams. I thought the Bills, in their 13 wins last year, had a lot of one-score games, but they also had several blowouts. That's sort of been the maybe the most interesting part of both of these teams. The Bills, through their three wins this year, have an average margin of victory of like 26 points or something. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. And yet, you know, the Chiefs continue to play one-score games. You don't really see the Chiefs blowing teams out. Why, like, why is that? Because the defense allows the other team to score back, and then Patrick gets the ball and just brings the offense back down and scores again. But the defense, if this defense was even – 20th of the league or 21st, and you gave Mahomes more opportunities on offense. I mean, look at the 36 drives, 33 and a half points a game. They are the most efficient offense in the NFL and could be historically the best offense in NFL history as far as when he's on the field. And teams to control the line of scrimmage, ball control, whether it's running or short passes out of backfield, but moving the chains in time of possession. And I know some are on the time of possession, and I know some analytics say time of possession doesn't matter. In the Chiefs' history, a lot of times it hasn't mattered. But in their losses, it's the teams that control the football and keep Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill on the sideline where they can't hurt you. That's how teams beat the Chiefs. Jay, thank you so much, man. Love the insight as always. Enjoy the game this weekend. It should be an absolute doozy. Looking forward to it. And uh, enjoy the rest of your season too, man. I appreciate you having on. Nate, as always, thank you for coming on our show as well. It's going to be a great game. I think – Bill's Chiefs, we're going to see it uh, Sunday, and I think we're also going to see it again. Yeah, I, get the, I got the feeling you and I may uh, maybe back at this sometime in, uh, in late January, my friend. <laughs> I think so, buddy. I think so. But, well, it be in Buffalo or Arrowhead, we'll find out Sunday night. And, and if it's in Buffalo, I got a bunch of great wing spots I'll, I'd be absolutely happy to cater you to. So. Man, I am dying to get the buffalo for some of that beer, the wings. So you we'll name let, it. I, listen, Jay, I, I want to say maybe just throw that down the grapevine to the team. Like, hey, guys, like if you lose this game, I'll get some wings in January and when the Bills are hosting this game. So just think about it. Just think about it. Hey, I'd love to do it. I did a little bet with uh, our friends at, uh, in Rochester and they ended up sending me beer last year. Uh, so I am all up for any of that. But I am definitely wanting to try the uh, the wings in Buffalo. And I've heard they've had just other great food places as well up there. So – Love to be there. Sounds good, my friend. Well, appreciate you as always, and, uh, and I'm sure we'll be talking again very soon. All right, my man. Take care. You too. Jay Binkley there. Three guys in a garage. That's on Twitter. That's his Twitter handle. He's from 610 Sports Radio, uh, an Odyssey station. He's the Chiefs postgame host. I'm going to take a timeout. Matt Verderam is going to join me next, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Chiefs, their offensive line play, uh, you know, Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, all that's coming up next here on WGR. Download the Odyssey app, select WGR, and go back in time. Driven by Northtown Automotive. Shop online at northtownauto.com. Halfway mark, or as uh, Rick Jenneret might say, halfway through the show. Welcome back, Nick Erie, Corey Griswold, Sports Talk Saturday. 
Sabres action uh, getting kicked off pregame coverage 2.45 here on WGR. Face-off 3 p.m. Uh, on WGR. The, the uh, Sabres will be facing off against the Detroit Red Wings today in uh, in the preseason. Regular season getting underway next week, if you could believe it already. Uh, but before we get any more into Sabres, let's go to, back to the Western Hotline because one of my favorites, uh, one of my favorite guests to have on the show, Matt Verderam of Fansided, joining me now to help talk a little bit more about the Bills and the Chiefs matchup. We're also going to talk about some other NFL storylines as Matt is the uh, national NFL reporter for, for Fansided and uh, Matt, it is uh, you know maybe one of the most anticipated matchups of the regular season. It's week five. Things are going to change after this, some for the better, some for the worse. But going into this matchup, I, I, I have trouble maybe finding a, uh, a regular season matchup that features two teams so much talked about as AFC and, and Super Bowl contenders facing off this early in a season, um, both coming off what I would probably agree is you know disappointing starts to the season. Yeah, look, I think for Kansas City, it's, it's been a very weird start offensively. It's the best offense they've had since Mahomes has been there. Their offensive line has been terrific. Their weapons are great. Now they had Josh Gordon. But as good as they are offensively, defensively, it's like they're playing with six guys on the field. They, they can't stop anybody. It's, it's, it's almost appalling how bad they've been defensively. Uh, they are getting some starters back this week. That'll help, although Chris Jones is a game-time decision. He didn't practice all week with a wrist. And typically in Kansas City, if you don't practice on Friday, you don't play. Maybe they make an exception here, but typically they do not. We'll see if he's out. Milano could be out for the Bills, so maybe both teams down an impact player. But, um, but this is this is a game where if you're Buffalo, if you win this game, you're on the inside track of the one seed. You have an easy schedule. You're two up on the Chiefs with the breaker. You lose this game. You're tied with the Chiefs. The Chiefs have the breaker, and Kansas City's schedule, which has been brutal to this point, eases up quite a bit the rest of the way. Man, I'm 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 interested in your take on this defense. I just had Jay Binkley on um, from six ten Kansas City, and I, I I asked them, you know, what have you seen? What have you noticed that's been going wrong with the defense? And he gave me a really insightful answer. All sorts of things. Jaron Reed really hasn't shown up the way that they thought yep. that they would when when they were sort of bringing him in so they could bump you know, uh, Jones to the outside. And, and that move has not worked for Jones either. Um, you know, I, they, they've had some injuries at the linebacker position. They haven't quite seen the best of Taron Matthew yet. Tyron Matthew, he just hasn't seemed like he's fully 100% from that, that COVID diagnosis. Because guess what? It affects pro athletes. Who would have thought? Um, and I followed up with an important question. And I'm going to ask you the same follow-up question. Does it matter? Like, this offense is that good where it really might not matter how good or how bad the defense is. It matters if they're this bad. Mm. It, then it don't matter. They, only, they, they will struggle to win the division if they're this bad defensively. Um, now, if they get 10 to 20% better, it won't matter. Because, Nate, I'm not kidding. Their offense is so dominant. They've punched six times. Yes, yeah, stupid. I mean, it's been, I mean the, the thing that stopped them more than anything is they, they have turnovers. They've had six turnovers. They had them, excuse me, actually had seven turnovers. Um, they win the game in Baltimore if Clyde Edwards Alaris and fumble the ball. They they had four turnovers. You know, we hear all this stuff in the Chargers. Well, listen, I think they're very good. But you start hearing all these narratives now the Chargers are all of a sudden as good as Buffalo, as good as Kansas City. Like if you watch the game against Kansas City, the Chiefs lost by seven points. They had two turnovers inside the ten yard line. They had yeah. another turnover inside the thirty. I mean, the Chargers didn't stop them once the entire game. The Chiefs went up and down the field constantly. And so look, I, I think the biggest thing right now with the Chiefs on the defensive side that they can fix, and I think they will, their communication has been a nightmare. I don't know if they brought that up. They have he not did. been able yep. to get lined up correctly. I mean, they have been brutal. I counted six times against Philadelphia where they were in the wrong defense coming. They had no idea what they were doing. Spagnuolo will fix that. 
he will manufacture some pass rush. The question I have is, are they athletic enough? That is the question. That I just don't know if they're going to be able to fix in that linebacking core specifically. Mm. I wonder, do you believe they're going to be able to remanufacture the game plan that they did last year in the playoffs? That it, it was very clear from the first snap that there was Kansas City was playing with a different level of aggression and, and physicality, particularly at the line of scrimmage, both up front with the offensive line or against this Bills offensive line. I thought they manhandled the Bills offensive line in that AFC Championship game, but the the background and the context, I guess, becomes somewhat important, but. You know, you, you end up having an injury to Stephon Diggs, an oblique injury that, that you know, right. he basically says he probably wouldn't have played if it wasn't the playoffs. And you have a stress fracture in Cole Beasley's leg that definitely limited him throughout the entire playoffs, and I think it culminated in that game. And th- listen, man, they couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. And I thought that they, they got spanked around a little bit. And as much as I think the Bills' defensive backfield, which is very proud, it has, you know, some of the more underrated players in that defensive backfield, they got, they got spanked around uh, by that by that Chiefs, uh, by the group of Chiefs, um, weapons on offense, I think it's safe to say that the more disappointing thing was watching Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and you know, and at that point John Brown and, and and Gabe Davis just get absolutely manhandled by those defensive backs. Do you see can can you see that being replicated right now in week five, knowing what you know about this defense and where the Bills are? Not to the same extent, but I think they'll try to play a similar way. Jerry Sneed, if Bill fans aren't familiar with him, the second year corner at Louisiana Texas Chiefs, he's fantastic. He is the best corner on the team by a mile. He's a legit number one. I would expect him to go with Diggs quite a bit in this game. And, and Diggs is great. He's going to get his. But Snead, I think, can at least do a representative job. He can challenge him. The matchup, I, I think you might see, is Matthew might come down the slot, and they might play him on Beasley. I would not be surprised if it's one-on-one on a lot of third downs. They drop him down. They play Sorensen and Thornhill up high, and they're willing to try to take that on. But the matchup I am watching in this game, if it comes to fruition, Emmanuel Sanders yes. and Tavares Ward. Mm-hmm. That, to me, for Buffalo, you have to win that matchup. Ward is a, a solid corner, but he's not, he's not anything special. But Sanders, if he's one-on-one, he has to win that. He has to find a way, because if he doesn't win it, I think with Snead, and if they do drop down that, I think the Chiefs can do some things. They can even bracket Beasley. Look, the Bills are very prolific. They're going to score a lot of points in this game. I would be shocked if they don't get the 24-plus at bare minimum, I'd be kind of surprised if they don't get 430. Um, but th- the biggest thing is I do think the Chiefs are going to bring pressure. They're going to, try to, they're going to try to explore the interior of the Bills' offensive line. They're going to try to force Allen left. If he runs for a few yards, they're not going to be worried about it. They're basically looking at this saying, if we can get him to punt twice and throw one pick, we win. And with their offense, they're probably correct. And the weather is going to play a factor in this, too. It's probably going to be pouring throughout the game. Who has better ball security? It's going to be a huge part of the game. It's the one thing that I would have been really interested to see last year in that matchup, and that's the addition of Emmanuel Sanders. He's been a uh, Matt. He's just been a revelation through for four games. He has meant, I think, a lot of the things we can't see as fans or as people that are covering the team, like his presence in that locker room. Um, I think probably goes understated. But what he's meant to Josh Allen on the field is adding a legitimate third target that could win at all three levels of the defense in that secondary. He can he can run yep. the short route tree. He can be an intermediate threat. That's where John Brown simply was not really making an impact for this team, is at the short and intermediate levels. And he has proven to be the second-best deep target for this team behind Stephon Diggs, which I think they were desperately needing um, last year. So, I, yeah, I, I think... 
Emmanuel Sanders could really end up being sort of the um, the, the defector, like, I don't know, secret weapon of sorts, but but not because yeah. I think if your defense is right now in the league and you're watching Bill's game film, he's the kind of guy that has just been popping up on film. And hey, by the way, Dawson Knox too. Like I, I think Dawson Knox is likely the victim of being fourth in this pecking order. But Matt, I know I was like kind of talking about with this. Dawson Knox has been so good for this team and has added a, a option across the middle of the field that they have not had over the last two years. You know, it's funny. I call uh, earlier in the week on Twitter. I said he was a spare part in the offense, and people went berserk from Buffalo. And I was like, "Look, I'm not saying he's not good. It's just he's he's not a priority target for them because they have three other guys. I mean, it's kind of like McCall Hardman in Kansas City. McCall Hardman's a good player, but he never gets the ball because they're throwing it to Tyree Kill and Travis yeah. Kelsey all the time. So that being said, I think Dawson Knox is a huge X factor in this game. The Chiefs cannot cover tight ends and running backs. Cannot cover them. I mean, just have no ability to do it. Now, the Bills do not throw very much at all to their running backs. Um, but Knox has been the guy. He's got four touchdowns. So on the red zone, they've really utilized him. If I'm Brian Dable, I am trying to target him more in this game. I'm, I'm trying to get him on routes because they have nobody who can cover him. They do not have any tight end. Or me, they do not have any linebackers who can run with a tight end. They, it, Willie Gay is the one guy who would be doing it. But he said turf toe. He hasn't been activated yet. He could be activated. He practiced this week, but it's unclear if he will be before the deadline this weekend. Um, if he's not activated, I'm throwing the ball at Dawson Knox ten times this game mm. because the Chiefs just cannot run with him. And I would try to get the backs involved. I wouldn't worry too much about how many yards you run for in the game. I, I, it's an overblown storyline against Kansas City. It doesn't matter. Everyone yep. talks about time of possession. Who cares? The Chiefs had seven possessions last week. They scored six touchdowns. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Like, Philadelphia was like, hey, we can run the button. They know they're 42 no. points. It just, yeah. So th- this game to me comes down to two things. Who makes a big mistake? And most importantly, who's better in the red zone? Whoever is better in the red zone this game is going to win this game. Because the Chiefs are going to be in the red zone, so are the Bills. Yep. Whoever kicks more field goals is going home with an L. Mm. That, that, and I think McDermott's going to learn from that AFC title game. They kicked two field goals that were chip shots down inside the 10-yard. He will not do that again. They will go for it, and they're better off. Even if they don't score on one of those drives, they're still better off. You've got to try. Kicking a field goal against Kansas City, you might as well punt the ball through the uprights. It makes no difference. I'm with you on that one, Matt. Matt Verter, I'm here, a fan side of the uh, national NFL reporter over there. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit because I, I do think there's another really good game um, in the lineup this week in the AFC, and it's the Browns and the Chargers. Um, yep. Do you get the sense there is something really wrong with Baker Mayfield outside of this shoulder injury that, that seems to be nagging him? He has not had the start to the season. In fact, he's almost had the nightmare start that everyone talked about. If this happens, the, 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 the Browns are going to be in so much trouble trying to figure out what to do with him. Um, and, and almost the opposite, we've watched Lamar Jackson answer a lot of the questions of people saying, well, if he can't figure out how to throw the football yeah. down the field consistently, they're going to have a tough decision to make. And I think Lamar has answered a lot of questions. I think he's got had the highest yards per attempt average of his career. They beat the Chiefs. They're winning football games. And they're doing it without their running game that I think a lot of people assumed he would just be dead in the water without having. What is wrong with your in your mind with Baker Mayfield? And if this persists, what I, what do you do if you're Cleveland? Well, this is interesting because typically if your quarterback doesn't play well, you don't play well as a team. Well, they're three and one. Now, granted, they've beaten three teams that are hideous, but they're three and one. And they gave Kansas City a big run for their money. Now, the problem in that game was to watch that game. 
the second Mayfield had to win the game, uh-huh. they fell apart. Yep. They fell apart. That was the end of the game. The second Kansas City realized, hey, you know what? If we, have, if we can force him to throw the ball, we're in pretty good shape. They immediately did nothing. The rest, I mean, they, they could not score. They could not move the ball. He throws a pick at the end to Mike Hughes, and the game's over. And since then, you're right. I mean, he gets a shoulder injury. He has not been the same. It's his non-throwing shoulder. But I have to imagine mechanically it affects him somewhat. He's got a harness on it. Um, but if they, if they go 12-5, and five, and let's just say they, they do what they did last year. They get to the divisionals. They lose to Kansas City. They lose to Buffalo. If he plays like this, you're under some pressure to pay him because they're winning, but at the same point, you can't pay him Josh no, you Allen can't. money. You can't pay him forty million plus. I mean, there's just no way. I mean, Allen got them to an AFC title game last year, and I know he's been a little scattershot this year, but I fully believe Josh Allen's going to be worth that money. Um, you can't pay him anywhere near Mahomes' money. I mean, look, Lamar Jackson. This when he plays it just the rest of the year, he's deserved forty plus million. Yep, he absolutely does. He's earned that. Mayfield hasn't earned that. Uh, right now, Baker Mayfield, the AFC. Uh, where do you rank him in the AFC of quarterback? I mean, he's not Mahomes, he's not Allen, he's not Herbert, he's not Jackson. I would argue he's not Derek Carr. Like, where, where I mean, is he? Is he essentially Ryan Tannehill? Is that what he is? Because I don't, it feels I, like I, it. I would take Tannehill. Yeah, it feels I would like take it. Tannehill, right? So I mean, you're talking about a guy who, in his own conference, middle of the pack. I, I don't know. Would you take Burrow? I'd probably take Burrow. Yes, like, yes I, I would. So I mean, you know, so I mean, you're talking about a guy. You can't, you can't pay him for him. The problem is, though, they've been terrible for so long. You want to roll the dice and not pay him, right? Because then what? Like, the, what's you got to have an answer. You know, I'll tell you right now, man. At the end of the year, if the Packers, if if Rodgers oh, ends yeah. up walking out of town, if I was the Browns, I'd call them and just say, you you name your price, whatever you want, you've got it. But. You know, that there's going to be a lot of yes, doing that exact thing. Yeah, right. No, it's but but Matt, I guess the the underlying thing here is exactly what you said, which is a franchise that has yet to like for how long they've been rolling around in the mud trying to figure out the the way out for right. them to essentially walk away. Which I here's the thing: I don't think they can walk away, Matt. I think that I don't think they can either. I think there are things they can do to sort of hedge and mitigate. But at the end of the day, like looking back at that draft, it's gonna be that's a, it's gonna be a hard one to swallow if you're if you're the Browns, knowing you had the pick of the 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 pick of the litter and you picked the most pro ready guy. But I think you also picked the lowest the I'm sorry the highest the highest floor, but the lowest ceiling out of all four four of five of those guys that end up going in that first round. Whatever it was four or five, but I don't know. I I continue to think about that draft and think about how badly I wanted myself. I wanted Baker Mayfield and. I mean, the Bills end up making out with, I think, probably the best quarterback from the draft, and then you have the second-best quarterback, and it's a yep. very close tie with, with Lamar Jackson. Very different players. But for those guys to go after ba- Baker Mayfield and to see where they are now, uh, is it how much of this, Matt, is a failure, though, of the franchise not being able to develop him? Because it just seems like he is the exact player he was his rookie year. Some of you, I, I mean, I might even make him, he's worse than he was his rookie year. Yeah, but you know what? They didn't help him by bringing in Freddie Kitchens. Okay, uh, <laughs> yeah. that was a, that was a tire fire. But I got to be fair though to the Browns and Andrew Berry. How good is that offensive line? I mean, they have a great line. They run the heck out of the ball. They've got weapons all over the place to throw to. Now they've got a pretty good defense. I think Stefanski's an excellent coach. I mean, how much more does he need? Like, I mean, what else could he possibly ask for at this point? I don't. I mean, they, they they are 
so quarterback friendly. And he can't throw for 250 yards a game. Yeah, I know. Like, I, I mean, know. that is just... The best and, running game in, look, in football. I, He's got one of the I, best play, friendliest... <laughs> is it, like, <laughs> the thing about this, Matt, is the list says to you, you're right, like, what more could you do? But when you really start to make a list of all the things that are going right there, for them to be 3-1 and one, despite not really getting anything from their quarterback, I mean, the best running game in football, the the probably the quarterback-friendliest offense in football, the best offensive line in football, yeah. like, what else? And you have Odell Beckham Jr., who, before coming to the Browns, was like was right up there with the best receiver in the league. He, he doesn't even look like he belongs on the field. The guy's getting open. But Baker Mayfield, can't. that is the conundrum to me, is why can't Baker and Odell work out? That has got to be one of the most frustrating. If you're a if you're a Browns fan, that has got to be the thing that like makes your hair go gray. Well, and the funny thing was, you know, to go to the game this weekend, like they opened Cleveland opened as a one point favorite in that game at LA, and I get it, there's no home field advantage, but it's a one point, and all of a sudden, it's two and a half now for the Chargers. Like, I, I think people looked at that game and thought the same thing I did and thought if it comes down to Mayfield and Herbert, you're betting Mayfield in that game. I mean, that, no look, shot. I. I look, I look at the AFC, and I see it as very obvious. Right? Look, I, I get the Chiefs are 2-2 two two right now, but until somebody knocks them yeah, off, right, perk, absolutely. They're, they're the favorite. I mean, you have to be. The Bills, to me, are a 1-B. They're not even a 2. They're a one, the, Bills, the Bills are the one team. The Chiefs would never say it's publicly, but I believe this. They're the one team the Chiefs have respect for in the AFC. Like if, like if they play their best game, the Bills could still hang in the game with them. If they play their best game against Baltimore, Cleveland, the Chargers, Tennessee, they're beating all those teams. They're just, they're too overwhelming. I mean, heck, they played awful against Baltimore, and they still should have won the game. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's a thing where with Kansas City and Buffalo, I look those two teams as the, as the favorites. And then you, then you get into the Cleveland's there, the Chargers are there, the Titans are there. You know, there are other teams you could throw into that mix. I don't even know if you want to throw Titans that mix. You can if you'd like to. Um, but this is, a, you know, this is a year with Baker. If, they, if he doesn't improve, I think for the Browns, like, you just play out a fifth-year option, you see how it goes for another year, and then at that point you make the determination, do you tag him, do you not tag him, do you sign him to an extension, do you trade him as part of a package or something else? But it's interesting. Look, you never know. You know I, I see people say all the time, well, you could just trade and draft another quarterback. Okay, well, what if you draft Tua? Then what? Like, not to pick on two attacking my low, but everybody thought coming out he was going to be unbelievable as long as he's been healthy. Well, even when he's played, he hasn't been good. I mean, you don't know what you're getting out of the draft. So, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is fine. Like, I think he'll be fine, but he's not been good to this point. Zach Wilson has been terrible. He's got no support. It's just, I think if you're the Browns, you've got to be really careful because I agree with you. Baker has not been good at all this year, and he's, I think, a, a slightly above average quarterback, but you could do a lot worse, too. So you've got to make sure you, you figure that out. Matt, appreciate you, brother. Uh, kick your feet up. Enjoy this weekend's game. It should be a doozy. Sunday night football. What better stage? Let's hope for this weather to hold off. I would love to see yep. both quarterbacks, both offenses working at uh, you know at max capacity without any uh, outside factors playing into this. It, it looks like maybe we'll start the game a little dry, and then as the game goes on, uh, the the more likely that the, that heavy rain uh, is, is set to come down. I'm, I'm really hoping it holds off. So, uh, but for uh, for you, Matt, thanks so much for for joining me. You're always really generous with your time. We love hearing from me and your insights here at the station. So so thanks for joining me, man, and enjoy the weekend. And no problem. Feels like round one to round two. Yes, yeah, so this this sort of feels like um, <laughs> this sort of feels like like Tyson Wilder round two. Maybe we're in for something crazy happening, and it really just depends on who's Tyson in this one. So um, yeah, looking forward yeah. to it, my friend. All right, take care. All right, buddy. 
Medverter, I'm there, fan-sided on the Western Highline. i got to take a timeout. I've got to get two timeouts in here. Then Bruce Nolan, my man from Buffalo Rumblings, the, the Bruce exclusive podcast and, uh, and our podcast, uh, Food for Thought. He's coming up at the 1 o'clock hour here on WGR. There's a fox on the field. No, really, there was a fox, like a, like an animal, on the field in Oklahoma. Uh, for is today Oklahoma Texas? Is that is that what I saw? What is that? Do we? What is that game called? The Red River Rivalry. Red River. No, I think that's Texas Texas Tech. It's not the shootout anymore, is it? Uh, let let me get back to you on that. There, there. It is called something. The Red River Rivalry sounds right, but it that sounds like Texas Texas Tech. If I'm being honest, I'll, the I'll, Red River separates Oklahoma and Texas. I'm going to go to break now because uh, I just got owned geography wise and you never want to get owned geography wise on your own show. So timeout Bruce Nolan on the other side and a geography lesson on tap here on WGR.